0: You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Church and uh, I, I never really understood. I never really understood it, uh, growing up in church and watching my pastor growing up, and how much he loved his people. Watching my parents growing up and hearing them always say how much they loved me and my siblings. Parents, have you ever told your children before, one day when, you'll have, when you have a child, you'll understand? And then watching, this was only the second church I've ever been in in my life coming here for four years as a youth pastor. I never understood a pastor's heart. Never understood what a pastor meant when he said, I can walk among my people and know how they're feeling and what they're going through. I never understood that, and I don't know what it is. It's not a gift. You can return a gift. But it's. I can always tell when there's a burden that is being borne by the sheep. And I don't know what it may be, but I do feel it this morning. I do feel that the Holy Spirit wanted me to take some time to encourage you just a little bit. Now, there's a couple ways that I can encourage you. I can tell you that everything's going to be all right. You know that it will be. Everything will be okay. As long as we serve the Lord, everything will be okay. But there's another way that I can encourage you that is not the easy way, but it is a way that I think we can all understand. If you were to go into a doctor's office and he told you, listen, you're you're sick, and there's only one way I can see that you would get better, would you want that doctor to say, look, just take it easy on me, kind of sugarcoat it just a little bit and don't tell me everything that's wrong? make it seem better than it really is? Or would you tell him, tell me everything that is wrong. Tell me everything that I need to do. So this morning, if I can tell that you have a burden on your heart, I do not mean to come across insensitive in any way this morning, but the message that I have is a very strong message, a message that I believe that we need for this new year. A message that I have to trust the Lord gave to me, knowing that I would be preaching it to hearts that are burdened and hearts that have questions. Things that you are going through that I have no idea what you're going through and may never know that you are going through. This might be some tough medicine this morning, but if we swallow it, if we take it, it'll help us. It'll help us. I want to preach this morning on the subject this year also. This year also. Every new year, I'm reminded of two statements spoken by great men of the past. One man's name is C.T. Studd. And he said this, Only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. Noah Webster, you recognize his name from the Webster's Dictionary, when asked how he approached his daily life. He said, I try to remember every morning that one day I will meet God. And one day I will meet my record. And that is true for all of us. You will meet God one day. And on that day you will meet your record. The Bible said, is appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. So, If only what is done for Christ lasts into eternity. And let's say that the year of 2020 was the only year that we could take with us. What would we have to give at that judgment? What would we have to give to Christ at that judgment? It seems like right under our nose, 2020 has slipped away into history. So tell me, what did we do for him in 2020? Do you realize you will never be happier? Even when you're under the circumstances, you will never be happier than fulfilling your purpose. I've given this illustration before. What is this watch's purpose? Tell the time. That is its purpose. If this watch had a personality, it would tell you, I am never happier Than when I am telling the time. When this watch ceases to tell time, it ceases to be good for anything. And, church, life is going to be difficult. You are going to have ups and downs. You cannot base your life upon the circumstances because one day you'll be up and the next day you'll be down. But throughout all of that, the valleys and the mountaintops, you can be happy, you can be joyful. Because you can always fulfill that purpose. Something practical also that that helps we have to learn how to raise our valleys and lower our mountaintops. To be just a little bit more steady throughout it all. Not to ride the, the emotional roller coaster of life. You're gonna have high points, finding out that you're having a baby, you're gonna have low points. We have to learn how to take those high points in stride. Say, Lord, you're good on the mountaintop. But then also when you come down to raise yourself up a little bit, he's still good in the valley. And you do that by focusing on what we know that we are supposed to do. And that is serving the Lord with our life. Did we do that in 2020? How many souls did you lead to Christ in 2020? How much Bible did you read in 2020? How faithful were you to church in 2020? Did you encourage others in 2020? Now maybe you come back and say I needed encouragement. Some of the greatest encouragement that you will ever bring to yourself is by giving encouragement to others. How often do we spend time in prayer? How many of us spend five minutes a day in prayer? You realize if you spent five minutes a day in prayer, at the end of the year, that is a little over one day that we have spent in prayer. That's it. One day of prayer for the entire year. If we spend five minutes. That is .0027% of our year. I had to do the math. Did we give to him? Did we serve him? What word better describes 2020 for us? What words? Godly or worldly? Growth or stagnation? Spiritual or carnal? Wonderful or wasted? Fruitful or fruitless. One year, gone. Twelve months, gone. 52 weeks, 365 days, 8,765 hours, 525,949 minutes, 31,556,952 seconds. Again, I had to do the math. Forever gone, unless we used it for Christ. But 2020 is gone. This is 2021. What will you do with it? What will you do with this year? At the end of this year, what will you have done for Christ? God knows your circumstances. God knows if your heart is broken or if your heart is breaking. God knows that. But you will never face anything that God will not go through with you. You will never face anything that will take away your power to do God's will. So at the end of this year, what will we be able to say through God's help? This is what will last for eternity. We had better care about that question. The question, what will we do for Christ this year? We better care about that question. God cares about that question. Oh, yes. God very much cares about that question. He greatly cares about that question. I cannot read this passage in Luke chapter 13 without realizing how much God cares about what we do in our life. Do you see what I see in this passage? Look in verse 6. He spake also this parable. Now a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning where every single element of the story is going to stand for something, going to picture something. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Who is that certain man? That would be God. Who is that fig tree? That's you and that's me. What is that vineyard? That is this earth. That is the Lord's world. Jesus begins this parable by showing us a very important truth. I have four points this morning. And here's point number one that Jesus brings out. God is watching. God is watching you. From the youngest person to the oldest person here, God is watching you. He is very interested in you. He is greatly concerned about you. Think of it. How does it make you feel to know that God is watching you? That God is watching us. The eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. God is watching this universe. He sees everything. He sees the farthest galaxies that will never be discovered by man. And he also sees the sparrow that falls. He sees the stars that no one will ever, ever see. But yet he knows the number of hairs on your head. The stars whose light won't reach earth for trillions of years. He knows all of them. The Bible says he telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. And yet God, with an infinite universe in his hand, takes time to watch you. Takes time to watch me. God is watching you this morning. God was watching you yesterday. God was watching you all throughout 2020. God is going to watch you tomorrow and the next day. If by his grace you make it to then, he will be watching you. There's this idea that floats around that God is real, but he doesn't care. That God exists, but he is indifferent to us. Therefore, our decisions don't bother him, so our decisions don't matter. Don't believe it. God is watching you. He's watching you, ma'am. He's watching you, sir. He's watching you as you parent your children. He's watching you, children, as you submit to your parents. He's watching you in school. He's watching you at home. He's watching you when you think nobody else is there. The Bible says, The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. We can say all we wish with our mouth that God is real, but if we say in our heart that God is not watching, that God does not care what we do. We are no better than an atheist. The fool has said in his heart, if we believe God is, we also must believe that he is watching. If we believe that God is watching, we must also believe that he cares about our earthly decisions. He cares about your plans for 2020 or 2021. He cares about your plans for today today. The Bible says in Psalm 11:4, for the Lord is in his holy temple, the Lord's throne is in heaven. Yes, it is. But his eyes behold, his eyelids try the children of men. Have you ever wanted to look at something or peer at something maybe in the distance and so you brought your eyes in a little bit? You brought your eyelids down a little bit. What are you doing? You are trying to focus in, block everything else out. God says, my eyelids try the children of men. Billions of people in this earth. Trillions of stars and everything moving and in motion. He knows all about it and yet God is watching you as if you were the only person alive. Now that's a very comforting thing. That's also a very concerning thing, a very terrifying thing. The only one that that, that, that that statement would not terrify is somebody who could say in his heart, there is no God. Why is God watching? Why is God watching you? What do we have to offer Why would God be concerned with you and me? He must be looking for something. God is watching. God is wanting. God is wishing. He says in verse 7, I come seeking fruit from this fig tree. Do you see that in verse 7? I come seeking fruit on this fig tree. Verse 6. He came and sought fruit thereon. Is it unfair for a gardener to expect fruit from his plants? Why do gardeners plant fruit trees? To get fruit. I worked at True Green. I've told so many True Green illustrations. Being a door-to-door salesman, that definitely leaves an impression on you trying to get through college. And I got a promotion. I was able to work with a horticulturist, and I loved that. I was able just to go to the the customers, people who were already paying for their grass and just trying to upsell them on their trees. And I got a call from somebody because I left a little door hanger. And they called and said, I need you to come out and look at my pear tree. There's something wrong with my pear tree. I said, okay. I think it needs to be fertilized. I think it's got a disease or something like that. There's something wrong with my pear tree. So I come over there and I look at it, and it's perfectly healthy. Nothing wrong with it. I mean, beautiful. Uh, Brother Mark and Miss Priscilla Pray for them. They're out of town. They have a pear tree out front. And I said, I don't see anything wrong with with your pear tree. He says, what are you talking about? I have never seen one pear grow on this. And then I had to explain to them it was an ornamental pear tree. It was not a fruit tree. But that person didn't know that, so they had the right idea. If this is a pear tree that isn't gonna bring forth pears, something's wrong with it. Even a lost person knows that. That is built into into every single person. What good is a fruit tree if it doesn't bring forth fruit? Oh, it gives shade, it's beautiful. A pear tree is like this beautiful teardrop shape you can always tell. Gives shade, it's beautiful curb appeal. There's only one problem with that. The gardener is looking for fruit. It's all well and good that you give shade and that you have beauty and that you add curb appeal to a property unless the gardener that planted you is looking for fruit. Then shade doesn't matter to the gardener. Beauty doesn't matter to the gardener. You can be the ugliest tree ever. Bring forth fruit, you'll be fine. You see some of these orange trees, they're about this tall around here. They're scraggly. If they had a name, it would be Mortimer or something like that. But it's got hundreds of oranges all over it. That tree's fulfilling its purpose. Not the most beautiful thing, not a lot of curb appeal there, but it's fulfilling its purpose. He didn't say, behold, these three years I come seeking shade. These three years I come seeking beauty. I come seeking property value and leaves. He said, I come seeking fruit. Now remember, you and I are this fig tree. So if a fruit tree doesn't bring forth the fruit that the gardener wants, what good is the tree? If a person doesn't bring forth the fruit that God wants us to bring forth, what good is the person? What good? Look at how religious I am. God's not looking for religion. God is not impressed when the outside of the cup is all clean, but the inside is filthy. God is not impressed... With outward religion, he is looking for an inward relationship that brings forth fruit. Except ye abide in me, there will be no fruit. Look at how beautiful my works are. God isn't looking for works. Now hear me. God isn't looking for works. How do our works benefit him? Even our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Now, faith without works is dead. We should do do good. There should be evidence in our life. But it is very possible to do the right thing for the wrong reason. There are plenty of people who have works in their life, but no fruit in their life. God is looking for fruit in our life. And he has every right to. He's the one who planted us. He's the one who planted us in his vineyard. He's given us ample opportunity to bring forth fruit. And that goes for every single person on this planet. You know that? The the person in the back jungles of Brazil. And you and I sitting here. All of us have been given ample opportunity to live for him. Romans chapter 1 says that, that God has been revealed to all men, and therefore all men are without excuse if we do not glorify him with our body and glorify him with our life. God has given every person everything that he needs in order to live for him and in order to know about him. But hear me. How much more, if God is going to look at somebody in the back jungles and say, I showed you everything that you needed in order to know about me, how much more is he going to expect from us? We have a Bible, the full, complete Bible in the King James Version for the English-speaking people. If he's going to expect fruit from somebody who will never hold a Bible in their hand, how much more will he expect from you and I? To whom much is given, much shall be required. We have the freedom to assemble in this great country. If he's going to expect fruit from people in a foreign country who have to meet in tunnels and in caves in order to protect themselves from a tyrannical government, how much more is he going to expect fruit from you and I? He's given us understanding and education. He's given us ease and time. Yes, he has. We have a cushy life. We have an easy life. We have a time-filled life. He's given us protection from persecution. He's given us comfortable chairs, air, air-conditioned buildings. There are people right now around the world who are meeting, sitting in dirt, sitting in mud. But they happily do it. How much more will he expect fruit from us? He has given and given and given to put, to, to put in us the best possible position To bring forth fruit. Because that's what he wants. That's what he's watching for. Is God finding what he's looking for in your life? When he comes up to the branches of your life, what does he see? Does he see leaves? Does he see beauty? We we look the part. All dressed up in the robe of religion, but no fruit to show for it. When's the last time God could come up to us and say, I see a fruitful tree? How long have we been happy to sit in God's vineyard and take, 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 take and never give anything back? God is watching. And he is wanting fruit from us. And he's waiting. He's waiting, patiently waiting. Three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree. The dresser of the vineyard, he said in verse 7. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard. Who is that? So if the certain man is God, if the fig tree is you and I, if the vineyard is his world, who is the dresser of the vineyard? That's Jesus Christ. He said unto the dresser of the vineyard, three years now, I've been looking for fruit to come from this fig tree. How long did Jesus' ministry last? He taught, he healed, he prayed. He walked among men in the vineyard of this world and many rejected him. And God said, three years now, son. Three years I've watched the children of men. Three years I've wanted fruit from their lives. Three years I've waited patiently and graciously. Three years I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? God is looking for fruit, and when he didn't find it, he said, cut it down. That was after waiting three years. How long have you and I known Christ? He has gone above and beyond to give us every single opportunity to live for him. Now, I addressed it at the beginning, church, If, if you are going to go through valleys. You're going to go through hard times. But do not be surprised when we are miserable if we are not fulfilling our purpose. Do you expect God to love us enough to send his son to die for our sin but then hate us enough to let us live in that sin? Do you expect God to love us enough to save us just as we are but then not love us enough to change our life and to see fruit come from that life? Do you believe God would love us enough to give us his Holy Spirit, to give us another comforter but then not let that fruit come out in some way. He's given us every single opportunity to give back. But as he waits for fruit, we give back an attitude. We sit in church with our arms crossed, our eyes dim, our heart closed, our minds elsewhere, our jaw firm, our spirit dead. As he waits for fruit, we give him back ingratitude. We complain about our circumstances. We gossip about his people. We sow discord among the brethren. We say we have no time to witness to the lost because we're too busy fighting with the saved. As he waits for fruit, we give him back excuses. We refuse to witness. We refuse to listen. Refuse to give. Refuse to obey. Refuse to forgive. Refuse to serve. And the day will come when God will say the same about that kind of believer that he said about that fig tree. Cut it down. Why cumbereth at the ground? Why is it an obstruction? That's what that word cumbereth means. Why is it an obstruction? Why is it taking up space? Why does it keep using up nutrients that could go to another tree that will actually produce? Christian, don't be satisfied just coming in and taking up 18 inches of pew and not bringing forth fruit. The Lord will find plenty others who could sit in that same chair and bring forth fruit. Why should I let the roots of a fruitless tree become intertwined with the roots of a fruitful tree? And that often happens. A fruitless tree gets mixed up with a fruitful tree. And the fruitless tree has a negative impact on the fruitful one. Why should I let the barren branches of a fruitless fig tree block out the sun that could be going to a fruitful tree? Cut it down. So do we sit here, planted by the almighty hand of God, protected by the hedge of his mercy, quenched by the water of his word, fed by the light of his glory, pruned by the shears of his law within our hearts, and yet not bring any forth any fruit? That is not only possible, it is very common. Heed the warning from his word. When year after year after year God comes to you with the basket and you have nothing to give, one day he will come to you with an ax. God's coming to you with the basket this year. This year also he's coming with the basket. Next year he may come with an ax. Why are you here if you will not bring forth fruit? That's a harsh question. That is a searching question. But that was God's question. Why is it here? Jesus, tell me. Why is it here if it's not going to bring forth fruit? Cut it down. Replace it. Find somebody else that you could spend your time on. Why is it here if you refuse to fulfill its purpose? What keeps God Almighty from laying the axe to the root of a fruitless tree? Year after year after year, that he has watched and he has wanted and he has waited patiently for. Look in verse 7. Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and find none, cut it down, why cumbereth it the ground? And he, the dresser, answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also. Till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit well, and if not, then after that, I agree. I agree. It needs to be cut down. But not this year. This year also. Have just a little bit more patience. This year also, Lord, let it alone. Let me work with it this year also. Let me dig about it. You know what that is? Let me remove the hindrances from the fruit bearing. Give me this year also to dig out the rocks of those worldly influences in their life. Give me this year also to pull the weeds of bitterness from their heart. Give me this year also to kill the insects of wrong relationships and treat the disease of doubt and fear. Let me dung it. This year also, let me fertilize it. I won't only take this year to take some things out, I'll put some things in. Lord, if you give me this year also, I'll give them one more message. I'll have another opportunity to speak to their heart again. I'll give them just a little bit more grace. I can stir their heart once more. I can convict their soul once more. Don't give up on them just yet. Give me this year also. And if it bear fruit, isn't that what you're wanting? Isn't that what you've been watching and and waiting for? Won't that be good? Give it this year also, but if not, I understand. I can tell of a friend. And I don't know all of the details. All I can tell you is what I observed from the outside. The young lady lived a fruitless life. I, I believe that she was saved. The Lord expects fruit from saved people, not unsaved people. She lived a fruitless life. Multiple times I observed her yelling at her parents in the foyer of the church. I grew up with her in school. She was in my class. I heard her badmouth the authorities, I heard her talk and brag about sneaking around the rules. I heard her say that she didn't see any purpose in living a separated life, and she didn't. All I know is that the day came when she was 20 years old, newly married, with a child growing in her womb. She went to do the laundry, slipped on the top of the stairs, fell down, went into a coma, and never woke up again. A tragedy, perhaps, certainly a tragedy. What I'm saying is just, just coincidence. When I read this chapter, I'm reminded of her. I'm reminded that God's word is true. That he means what he says and he says what he means. It is only by mercy and grace of the dresser That fruitless trees are given this year also, but this year may be your last. This may be your last year. This year may be the last time that Jesus tries to pull the weeds of bitterness from you. He's been trying for years, years he's been trying to pull that bitterness from you, and we keep planting it back. Doesn't the Bible talk about the root of bitterness springing up? Because we will not let our anger go. We don't even remember why we're bitter in the first place. For years, he's been trying to pull that and we keep planting it back. This may be the last time he speaks to you again in church. Just because we're here doesn't mean that God is obligated to speak to us. In fact, God does speak to us every single time we come to church. If we do not hear him speak, it is not because he is not speaking. This may be the last time he tries to convince you to dump that friend, teenager. Get rid of them. They're they're no good. Get rid of them. Get rid of that influence. This might be the last time Jesus tries to help you beat that addiction. That we keep saying, no, I'm going to hold on to that sin that so easily besets me. This may be the last time God calls for you to be saved. This may be the last time that Jesus speaks to you and gives you an opportunity to go to heaven. The last time that Jesus has to save you from hell. This may be the last year that Jesus tries to stop God from laying the ax to your roots. Pastor, you're trying to scare us. Yes. Yes, I am. Jude says, And of some have compassion making a difference and others save with fear pulling them out of the fire. But how sad it is that people have to be scared into serving the Lord. That people have to be scared into bearing fruit. But knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, you do not want to stand before God fruitless. You will, you will view countless souls who are throwing crowns at his feet and you will have nothing wickedness done in your life instead of righteousness, righteousness done for the sake of only bringing glory to our flesh instead of glory to him, wood, hay, and stubble that will not make it through the fire of his judgment. And we will have nothing to give us, saved, yes, but saved so as by fire. This may be the last time. If I have to scare you into bearing fruit, so be it. But something has got to get through. We must be convinced that God is watching. He is deeply concerned with you. With you individually, he is deeply concerned. He is wanting something. Not religion, not our will, but his will to be done. He's waiting patiently for that fruit to come. And because of the love of his son, because of the mercy and grace of his son, he's willing He's willing to give this year also. But this may be the last year. You may ask, what if my last year is already passed? It's not. You wouldn't be here. The last year is not already passed. As long as you are alive, there's hope. There's hope to bring forth fruit. You may ask, how do I know if this is my last year? I don't know how to answer that question. I really don't. All I'm saying is this very well could be your last year. And you may say back to that, by that logic, this could very well not be my last year. I might have plenty of time to repent and turn to the Lord. You may be right. You may be wrong. But here's all all I'll say about that. The whole, I don't think God would cut me down, I think I have more time, you can't scare me attitude is not the attitude of a fruitful tree. And if you ask, Pastor, do you think anyone in this room is in there last year, I am fearfully persuaded that this is the case. Because God will not wait forever for us to bring forth fruit. He will not. Now, I keep talking about fruit. What fruit is God looking for? Look in chapter 13, verse 1. There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans, because they suffered such things? I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish." Or those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them? Think ye that they were sinners above all men that dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you, nay. But except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Do I believe that that young lady I grew up with was a greater sinner than myself because I'm still alive and she is not? No, I cannot believe that. But except I bring forth fruit, I will perish likewise except we bear bear fruit, we will perish likewise, because what good is a tree that will not bring forth fruit? Are we in Matthew chapter 3? Do we have our place there? Let's turn there, Matthew chapter 3. This is talking about John the Baptist here. Look in verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees, and you, you know who those people are, the religious people, the Pharisees believed in a resurrection from the dead, and they also believed in, uh, in eternity. The others didn't, and that's why they were see. Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious elite, the scribes, the lawyers... They came to his baptism. He said unto them, "O generation of vipers. Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Who's who's that? What's the answer to that question? Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? All their prophets and all the law that they prided themselves in knowing. Who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits meet for repentance." God isn't looking for head knowledge. He's looking for heart knowledge. Bring forth fruits, meet to repentance. The first fruit that God is looking for in the life of every person is the fruit of repentance. Turning from your sin to the Lord completely. Completely. Too many people live a sideways life. You know what I mean by that? Instead of turning from their sin to the Lord, they're going to try to do this and balance both. It doesn't work that way. Bring forth fruit's meet to repentance. If you have not done that, this year may be your last to do so. But once you do that, more fruit comes. Repentance is the first fruit. Then there's the fruit of the Spirit that God is looking for in your life. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Are those in your life? Do people see those in your life? Well, I'm a Christian. Prove it. Show me your faith without your works. I will show you my faith by my works. Was not Abraham justified when he sacrificed his son? But instead of love in your life, all you have is hate. Instead of joy in your life, all you have is anger. Instead of peace in your life, all you have is strife. You're at strife with your family. You're at strife with your Lord. You're at strife with your church family. You're at strife. Look, if everywhere you go, there's a fire burning, you're the match. And the match can come back and look, well, other people shouldn't be so dry and easy to catch on fire. No, stop striking your match on everybody. Have you ever heard of the X factor? When everywhere you go, there's strife. What is the common denominator? The Lord's looking for peace, not strife. Long suffering, and all we have is bitterness. Gentleness, all we have is harshness. Goodness, all we have is wickedness. Faith, all we have is doubt. Meekness, all we have is pride. Temperance, all we have is indulgence. This may be our last year to get right with God. And then this last one here, fruits of soul winning. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. When is the last time you have personally led someone to the Lord? Well, I give to missions, and their fruit is added to my account. Yes, that's wonderful. What a privilege. Every time that you are here, that you are an altar worker, that you pray and somebody is saved in the the message, you have a part in that. But when is the last time you brought forth fruit? Have you ever? He's looking for that. He is watching for it. He's wanting it. He's waiting for it. He that winneth souls is what? The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. That means he that doesn't win souls is a fool. The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. God isn't watching. God isn't wanting. God isn't waiting. But he is. But he is. Only someone who would say in their heart, There is no God, would refrain from sharing the gospel. Oh, but there is a God, Pastor. Then why don't we tell people? We must. We must. Some of us here need to start this year by repenting of our sin and turning back to God. This might be the first, the first time you ever do that and you can be saved this morning. Some of us have gone right back into the sin that we have been saved from. Like that prodigal son, we need to come back. Come back home. Some of us need to beg God for forgiveness in this matter of quenching the Holy Spirit's fruit in our life. When, when something as big as God moves into your heart, that's got to come out. If it's not coming out, something's wrong. Something's wrong. You would listen to a doctor if he said, look, I'm seeing this in your life. Something's wrong. You need to go through a physical. You need to go through an examination. Your pastor is telling you if you do not see love, joy, peace, long-suffering, faith, meekness, temperance, goodness, gentleness in your life, something's wrong. Examine yourself. Others need to seek to win souls. Win souls like you never have before. Jesus is coming again. Who is going to be in heaven because of you? Who will pick that fruit from your life and say, I want some of that? Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.